0: of America.
1: Good evening and welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Thursday, October 27, 2022. Sudanese activists march to the streets to mark one year after the military toppled a civilian prime minister.
2: And they're angry at the military for derailing really that in the coup one year ago. And so, in essence, these protests are the public's way of saying they haven't forgotten, and they remain undeterred for their aspirations.
1: And some residents of Eastern Equatoria state applaud the state government for improving security along the road linking Kenya and South Sudan. It will help uh, that
3: citizens and everyone to move freely because you'll be moving along the road without any fear because you know there's someone who is there who is
1: being put there to protect we'll have these stories and more coming up on south sudan in focus Sudanese have marked the first anniversary of a coup that derailed Sudan's transition to civilian rule with pro-democracy activists urging for more protests against military rule as hunger and inflation strangled the country. Pro-democracy activists say they turned out in large numbers on Tuesday to reaffirm their demands for a full civilian rule. Sudanese are struggling with ever-declining purchasing power, Many in the country worry that three years after the 2019 uprising that toppled former President Omar al-Bashir, signs point to a reversal of their revolution. Joseph Stigley, Director of Research at the Africa Center for Strategic Studies, discussed these developments with with senior analyst Muhammad al Ashanawi.
2: Well, in fact, there were tens of thousands of protesters out on the streets of Khartoum and many other urban areas uh, across Sudan. And they, in turn, were met with force by uh, Sudanese security forces to try to get them to, to disperse. And it reflects the continuing dissatisfaction among many Sudanese with the ongoing military rule in the country. Citizens there you know, continue to uphold the aspirations that they expressed in the 2019 revolution. They want democracy, they want civilian rule, and they're angry at the military for derailing that in the coup one year ago. And so in essence, these protests are the public's way of saying they haven't forgotten and they remain undeterred for their aspirations and you know it really when we look back over the last three years Sudanese civilian population has shown an impressive level of resiliency and commitment despite consistent resistance and opposition from the the military. The cost of food staples has jumped 137 percent in one year. However as Sudanese struggle with ever declining purchasing power many in the country worry that three years after the 2019 uprising that toppled Bashir, signs point to a reversal of the revolution. Since the coup, several Bashir era loyalists have been appointed to official positions, including in the judiciary, which is currently trying the former dictator. How do you explain that? There is a very direct connection between the economics and the politics in Sudan, and we have seen a long Curation and the economic situation, as a result of economic mismanagement by the military for decades, especially over the the last decade. You know, Sudan is now facing a 1.2 trillion dollar debt. There's a shortage of basic goods. You mentioned 137 percent inflation for food. Uh, For other prices, it's even more, up to 400 percent. And these were some of the same drivers that led to the 2019 revolution and the ousting of uh, Omar al Bashir. And I think what distinguishes Sudan from so many other countries that are facing economic challenges in recent years as a result of inflation, COVID, and the Russian invasion affecting food supplies is that this has been building up for a long period of time. And in response, the military government today is basically recreating the Bashir-era military government of you know, prior to 2019. It's uh, reappointing previously disgraced officials. It's providing opportunities for Islamists who are a big part of that government to come back in. You know, all these moves are trying to compensate for the lack of legitimacy and popular support for the military government. And so what it's trying to do is rebuild, you know, the political coalition that kept the Bashir regime in place. And so when you take a step back, there's really a, a remarkable level of continuity in that government between 2019 and today. And so this is only refueling the concern and determination of civilians who suffered under the repression and economic mismanagement, corruption of the Bashir government to resist the, the current Burhan regime. That was
1: Joseph Stigley, Director of Research at the Africa Center for Strategic Studies, speaking with VOA's senior analyst Mohamed al ashanawi Some residents of Eastern Equatoria state are welcoming the state government's decision to deploy security forces along the Torit Kapoita road to contain rising insecurity which has disrupted movement in the recent past. The Minister of Information in Eastern Equatoria state says the decision came after they were after they were disturbed by what he calls rampant road ambushes along the road linking Kenya and South Sudan. For VOA News Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Dominic Taban, a resident of Torrid, says he welcomes the action by the
4: Eastern Equatoria state government to curb insecurity along the Torrid Capoita Highway. Taban says this will allow people to move freely and open businesses, something that was limited due to insecurity in the past. The move taken by the state uh, government uh, to deploy the security
3: organs along the road, I think it's a good move. I really appreciate that. It will help uh, the citizens and everyone to move freely because you will be moving along the road without any fear. Because you know there is someone who is there who is being put there to protect you. But if there is no any security
4: organs along the road, so it will be very difficult for us to, for people to move. Taban says the government should ensure the welfare of security forces being deployed so they can do their job as expected. He says neglecting soldiers on the job often ends up making the situation worse. Their motivation is uh, from the government. And uh, these, are, these are
3: some of the challenges and uh, some uh, areas are getting to previously. But if uh, they are motivated... So they have to they they, they will not loot or um, they will not do anything our country is down maybe we don't have uh, we are lacking finance but uh, with with the little we are having, so you need to manage it. I think these people they will not uh, maybe end up
4: looting the citizens or the civilians because they are being motivated with the, just only words. Torit resident Michael Logosuk says the South Sudan government should do more to reduce insecurity across the country, saying the deployment of local forces is good, but not enough to get the job done. Logosuk says he is disappointed by the delays from the national government to deploy recently graduated unified forces to the state to provide security in places like in Torit Kapoita Road. I know they are, they are, they are graduated, of course.
3: But they need to be deployed in different states. I'm not sure. It is only within the town where the armed forces are deployed. But along Capueta, along the Road, I am not seeing soldiers being deployed there. Unless if there's incident is where they can go and arrest the situation there. But if
4: there is no incident, they cannot go. They are just within the town. Lukosuk says security forces should be deployed in counties further away so NGOs and other people feel safe traveling on the roads. Eastern Ikatoria Information Minister Patrick Oting says the decision by the state to deploy forces in the area follows rampant road ambushes along the highway where many lives have been lost since the start of the year. Uh,
3: The state authority... Decided for the good of the travelers, they should have to deploy the force along uh, the main road. Uh, they were even supported by even some mobility motorcycles were and, and phones uh, were also given to the key for so that they can be able to communicate instead of anything so that the state response team can be able to intervene uh, as fast as possible. So basically. That was the reason also doing it, yes, for the purpose of the common good of the travelers. But when they travel on the main road, they travel still So that is the priority of the state.
4: Watting hedges the residents living along the Torit capoita Road to cooperate with the security forces in the area and report any criminal activity. They
3: should cooperate with the government in case of uh, any criminals along the main road. So if there's any person along the main road, the communities who live along the main road should... Uh, especially in that particular area where this where this they, they, they should report to the relevant authority. So that is just to help the coordination of the security so that people at least you know how they can be able to intervene very fast in case of anything uh, occur on
4: the main road. Several deadly attacks and looting of travelers and aid workers have been reported in the recent past along the Torit Capoeira Highway. In August, two humanitarian workers were shot dead and one teacher was injured in a road ambush in Ikotos County of Eastern Ikotoro State last month. Unknown gunmen killed a road construction worker who was operating an excavator along the Tori Kapoeta Road. And just last week, a police warrant officer was reportedly killed, and two others, including a driver, sustained serious injuries in an ambush along the highway. For VOA News, I am then guiding reporting from BOR.
1: The World Health Organization warns, fungal pathogens are a major and growing threat to public health. And more research is needed to strengthen the global response to antifungal resistance. For VOA News, Research Line reports from Geneva.
5: Not all the many thousands of fungi circulating around the world are important, but those that are can be deadly, especially at a time when antimicrobial drug resistance is growing. For the first time, the World Health Organization has published a list of 19 so-called fungal priority pathogens that represent the greatest threat to global public health. The WHO reports antibacterial drug resistance causes 5 million indirect deaths and 1.3 million direct deaths a year. Officials say they do not know how many of the deaths are due to fungal pathogens. Hatim Sati is Project and Report Technical Lead for AMR Coordination at the WHO. He says treatment options are limited and often toxic. He notes there are four classes of antifungal medicine currently available. Each contains multiple drugs. He adds few candidate drugs are in the clinical pipeline.
2: A lot of these drugs work with most of these uh, fungal pathogens. However, these drugs are not without an issue. And, and these drugs uh, are associated with a lot of side effects and um, a lot of them are associated with resistance and that leaves a limited number of options to uh, to uh, Um, available for treatment and for the future in case resistance is increasing.
5: The WHO reports common infections such as candida oral in which the fungus accumulates on the lining of the mouth or vaginal thrush are becoming increasingly resistant to treatment. Director of AMR Global Coordination at WHO, Haile Jesus Getahun, says people most at risk of invasive fungal infections include those with tuberculosis, Cancer, HIV, AIDS, and patients in hospital ICUs or intensive care units.
1: The COVID uh, pandemic has also revealed the challenge that we faced uh, with these fungal infections that uh, most COVID patients, particularly those who were in uh, treatment, uh, particularly in the ICU units, were also developed uh, fungal infections as a side illness.
5: The WHO warns fungal diseases are expanding worldwide due to global warming and the increase of international travel and trade. The authors of the report say they need more data and more evidence to better understand the burden of disease and antifungal resistance. They say that information is critical to understanding the magnitude of the growing threat and the actions that must be taken in response. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. Listening to South
1: Sudan in focus on the voice of America. Coming up, individuals from Africa showcase their talents in Washington. Find out why after the break.
5: What do you think?
6: People speak out on important questions. The question today...
1: How do you reward yourself? I'll go and buy
3: myself maybe a pair of shoes I always desire to get. I'll go and have a meal I always desire to get. Anything depends on what I've achieved.
4: By spoiling myself. um, I'm a girl. I go buy myself clothes, shoes, do my hair, my nails—basic things that will make me look good and happy at the end of the
0: day. I cook a good meal. I sit down with the children. My work involves
4: very hard work, so I get very tired. So I work myself once every month. I do that by swimming and relaxing at the beach with my family.
0: What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA.
1: You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. It's about 12 more days before Americans go to the poll in midterm elections on November 8th. The outcome will determine which party. Republican or Democrat will control the House of Representatives and the Senate. There are also candidates, including of African descent, running for state governorship and local offices. Two years ago, Nakita Ricks of Liberian origin was elected as Colorado state representative for District 40. Now, now she is running for re-election. Rick says the U.S. midterm election system allows incumbent candidates to showcase what they have done for their constituencies during their two year terms. She tells VO's James Butty she has been campaigning almost nonstop, explaining to her constituents why they should return her to office. The campaign is
0: going well, uh, the ballots came out last Monday. So right now we're in what we call GOTV efforts, which is get out the vote. So it's between now and November 8th, that's what we're gonna be doing, getting out the vote. I'm on my way now to go and do some robocalls to remind people that their ballots are there, asking for their vote. I'm also gonna be doing what we call voice mail drops and then sending out a lot of digital ads and text messages. So it's all about connecting with voters and asking them to remember the turning their ballots.
1: How would you describe your first two years in office?
0: My first years were very successful. I passed over 19 bills total. A lot of great bills around mental health, the towing industry. I did work on accountability and transparency for homeowners associations in Colorado. I did work around teacher diversity. I've done lots of great bills. I want to continue to do the work that I started for the people of Colorado Colorado is facing some challenges around affordability affordable housing is a huge issue here in Colorado and we need to ensure that people who make minimum wage or who are low or medium wage earners can still own a house can still rent an apartment and the cost has just gotten more and more exorbitant safety there's been a rising crime within Colorado and around the United States So we need to ensure that the police officers have what they need as far as mental health. We need to help them with recruiting, training, so that there's trust between our community and law enforcement. And so there's so much work here. Uh, So all of those challenges need lots of different voices and diverse voices. And I want to be able to continue to help the people of Colorado and make it a more just and a great place for our family.
1: Nikita, some people elsewhere around the world may not understand. What is the importance of this type of democracy compared to other places where you say, for example, it's good to serve as long as possible, maybe five years or four years. That way you have a chance to do good work for the people instead of two years. Talk to our listeners in terms of the benefit or the lack of benefit in this.
0: Because I run every two years, I get to run four terms. So I can serve up to eight years in the Colorado State House. The difference is that within those two years, I need to deliver for my community. I need to deliver for the people of Colorado. And they get to see my record after two years. And so it's a check and balance in a sense. Like there's some places where maybe if you're in the Senate, you might serve for nine years. That's a long time, almost a decade. And what if that person gets in there and they do nothing? They don't pass any bills. They're not really uh, doing anything that's progressive or making changes or making their community or the economy better. And there's no check and balance to get them out. So I think, you know, although it's rough running for a campaign every two years, I mean, this, the two years went by so quickly, but I do think that this gives a uh, check and balance in the system so that my voters can say, well, we want to re really like Nakita, we like what she's doing, or no, we don't like her, let's change her and put somebody else
1: in there. Nakita, thank you so much again, and good luck.
0: Thank you, James. Thank you so much.
1: That's Nakita Ricks speaking to VOA's James Batty about her campaign for the upcoming U.S. midterm elections. <laughs> Still in US, the U.S., the U.S.-Africa Business Center of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is holding its first Africa Digital Innovation Competition for Africa Startups. VOA is working as a media partner with the Africa Business Center on the initiative. Out of 17,000 candidates from 50 countries in Africa, 10 finalists have been selected. We'll bring you a look at each one today with future Felix Macharia from Kenya. His company, Kotenipay, works with blockchain protocols and blockchain financial companies to connect with local payment systems in Africa. The company is one of the top. The company is one of the top finalists in the Africa Digital Innovation Competition for African startups organized by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce U.S. Africa Business Center. I'm Felix
7: Macharia. CEO and co-founder at Kotanipe. I'm 29 years old and I come from Kenya. We were especially attracted to the competition because of its uh, themes. So it was looking to attract SMEs and startups that are building cross-border, interoperable and cross-domain solutions. Our team is very much focused on creating social impact uh, in Africa and it was nice to be not only recognized but given a chance to present our work uh, to the global community. Kotaanipay is a technology stack that connects blockchain protocols to local payment channels. In essence, what we do is we bring the benefits of blockchain technology um, to the local populace in uh, Kenya, Ghana, and slowly um, expanding to other African countries. We have already started seeing some of this impact through um, the use cases that we have enabled through our technology. Um, In the case of financial inclusion, it's now possible for small businesses on the continent to receive lending from decentralized finance uh, pools that are global in nature. And they receive this lending at lower rates than what they would ideally get in Kenya. Um, universal basic income programs focused on um, absolute or extreme poverty communities like refugees and finally even climate resilience uh, use cases Uh, we have enabled uh, parametric um, weather insurance um, coverage for farmers in in africa i think we want to use this platform um, to make it very clear that uh, Blockchain has benefits that move just beyond speculation, so it's quite possible to use the technology uh, to have a positive impact on people's lives. We'll use uh, this platform to communicate, um, you know, some of the possibilities of the technology uh, for use cases uh, f- from financial inclusion all the way to climate uh, resilience.
1: That was Felix Macharia from Kenya, his company called Pay works with blockchain protocols and blockchain financial companies to connect local payments in Africa. The company is one of the 10 finalists in the Africa Digital Innovation Competition for African Startups, organized by U.S. Chamber of Commerce, U.S. Africa's Business Center. That's all we prepared for you this Thursday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Biniya by Mawa. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.